I've been exposed for the first time to non-NHS COVID tests oh, this yeah. week because we because we stole before we left the UK we stole uh, socialized medicine. Oh, unbelievable! So we took a, we took a couple of packs of free COVID tests. <laughs> That's terrible. Uh, You've been selling them on the black market, I hope. No, we used them and then ran out of them, and so had to buy some some privately provided tests here but they're really different like you cough on a frog (laughs) and if it growls at you you've got covid you spit in a leprechaun's mouth and if he turns blue you win a million pounds (laughs) yeah (laughs) no it's like a little card like a little birthday card and you do the stick and then you stick you put the the stick in the card and then close it and then it tells you if you're Oh my word. (laughs) Happy death day. episode 204 of the electronic wireless show podcast drop paper shotguns pc gaming podcast and the only podcast you need in my opinion and this week we're talking about the best eco themed games for a reason that i will go into later and we are a two-thirds diseased podcast this week because we have the return of well i was gonna say the return of wolf carton but we appear to have wolf carton second so wolf carton's son yeah that's right has, has returned. Hello, Matthew. Hello. How are you? Uh, yeah, a little bit COVID-y. Um, bit covid Yeah, I lost my sense of taste for quite a period to the point where I couldn't even taste Rennie's, which felt like some huge cosmic joke um, okay. made at my <laughs> oh, expense. Like when Gollum reflects on the fact he forgot the taste of bread. <laughs> yeah. yeah, basically. <laughs> Ironically, if I do eat bread, I need to have a Rennie. Okay, well, I'm going to put a pin in that because the other voice you can hear doing a pretty spot on Gollum impression is Nate, of course, who's joining us and is undiseased. Uh, so, congratulations to Lieutenant Planet. Thank you. Awaiting yeah. my promotion. <laughs> At the moment, I'm only the combination of four good spirited children. Um, but I'm hoping soon to acquire the fifth, um, and then they'll be able to come together and form Captain Planet. But uh, I came, for now, I'm just a lieutenant. I came very close to making this week's Cavern of Lies, which of these uh, are and aren't actual Captain Planet villains. Um, <laughs> Sorry. It, 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 it had just no video game connection at all, and the villains are so poor. Like They're just... A t- they just hate the environment and have a terrible environmental hating <laughs> pun as a name. Yeah, they're all called like they all had like some sort of honorific, wasn't it? So it'd be like you know, Professor Professor Burn the Rainforest. Or... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's better than what they actually are. Yeah, there was like, was on a coral reef. <laughs> there was one who he was called something like Mega Flusher the Third, which seemed to imply that like. <laughs> Just excessively flushing the toilet was how he harmed the environment. I don't know. And that he was from a dynasty (laughs) of men who had grown famous through these means. Yeah. (laughs) Did I ever tell you about my dad doing the most Brexit dad thing ever? This was years before Brexit as well, but it was the reason he broke up with his girlfriend at the time. (laughs) He, He is like... You know, recycling is a scam, which in some respects it is. Like, not most of the stuff we put in the recycling bin doesn't get recycled. But his thing was, well, in that case, I'd better just burn all my milk cartons in the back garden. Mm. (laughs) So he would just have, like, a big, like, tyre fire, basically, every every few weeks. Um, 
but his girlfriend at the time was like this seems bad uh but like was secretly recycling all the plastics mm-hmm. so she would like hide them uh until you know she built up enough to drive to the recycling bit uh in the garden shed and one day like she would for some reason she couldn't go for like a few weeks or something and dad sort of comedy opened the garden shed and then like a, a cascade of plastic bottles fell on him <laughs> like out of a cartoon and he was livid that she wasn't on board with the plastic burning uh-huh. <laughs> so they could have found a, a compromise if they just got a giant wok and melted them all over the brazier yeah and then they could have created crude moulds yeah, and made them and formed into... their own bottles. I've, oh. I've got I've got two plastic melting stories. Come on then. One when I was a kid, I the family next door had a bonfire, and I threw our cat's feeding bowl on it to watch it melt, and got really told off. <laughs> so that's 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 one of them. And the other one was I was on I was on scout camp, uh, scout summer camp, and we were uh, roasting marshmallows around the fire, and everyone yeah. had these like. St- Everyone had like carved the end of sticks to make their own sort of like fancy marshmallow stick. And I thought, oh, I know it would be a good idea. I'll make a plastic handle for mine. So I tied all this twine, this like plastic twine around one end of my stick, then melted it and thought in the fire and thought if it sets, it'll be like a hard plastic handle and everyone will be really envious. Uh, And all that happened was I got this molten twine over my hands. (laughs) Have scarred hands to this day. So. uh, I thought I'd have the stick everyone was going to be jealous of. Like, look at him in his plastic <laughs> handle. Um, and actually uh, just, uh, yeah, ruined my chances of being a hand model. So, Just becoming a terrible cyborg in the process. <laughs> Some fusion of man and twine. <laughs> Acquiring heat source, toasting marshmallows, sobbing through the pain. Twine Man is a Batman villain ass name. Like, <laughs> yeah, like for sure. every story you tell, because I'm sure your childhood wasn't miserable. It's just for some reason you only tell the bleakest stories of your childhood on this podcast. So. Uh, it wasn't bleak. That was, you know, I got a cool scar. That's like a badass. That's like a war story, you know. Okay, yeah. Sorry, my apologies. We also another time on summer camp, we made this camp oven, which is where you get like a, a metal box and half bury it in the ground and cover it in mud, so it basically becomes like an oven. And we decided to line um, the fire pit with stones to kind of keep the heat. And I don't know what the science was behind that, whether it was nonsense or not. Um, but what we didn't realize is we lined it with all these flints, which started exploding under the extreme heat. <laughs> and uh, shards of hot flint were shooting out of this fire, and one of them went into someone's face. Uh, oh! <laughs> yeah, and then he burnt his fingers trying to pull it out. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> so that was, uh, yeah, so he kind of stole my twine thunder. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's way cooler than the Yeah, the that's a Batman thing. villain. Old flint yeah. face. <laughs> <laughs> Nate, do you have any burning plastic stories? Yeah. Um, I wonder you know, if, if we're just the sort of people that would have burning plastic stories. If you've got a burning plastic story, listen, email it in. Podcast at rotepapyshotgun.com I got, uh, you know those like little army soldiers you can buy in a bag for 99p from a newsagent or you mm-hmm. used to be able to... Mm-hmm. I got, I was quite young. Some would say a lot too young to be playing with fire. Um, but I got a big tray of sand in our conservatory and I arranged these soldiers like they were having a war. And then I just started like, I put some candles in there and set fire to them. Mm. Um, I Look, I don't really remember how one thing led to another, but I do remember like, the entire tray just emitting a two-foot-high sheet of flame. Oh, my word. <laughs> like black smoke filling what? the conservatory. Were you and... a nasty boy who lived next door to Andy in Toy Story? <laughs> Sid, yeah. Yeah, but then... Big Sid know, energy, yeah. Big Sid energy. No, but these weren't, like, innocent toys. These were, like, bad little soldiers. Oh, that's what Sid, that's what Sid would have said about yeah, the team mutilated. Well. 
This is just more Sid. This is Sid on Sid. Woody was impure. That's why I could cut him. <laughs> yeah, there were also a selection of GI Joes I'd found to be uh, ideologically questionable. <laughs> <laughs> it's Sid all the way down. <laughs> so I just had a gulag for toys. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, how are you both? Other than that. Are there any other updates? I mean, we should cycle back to Matthew not being able to taste. That must have been normal since you hate salt and flavouring, actually. Yeah, I I was eating some chop. The first time I realised it had gone wrong, I was eating a bit so whisper, um, the tiny whisper. And sometimes Cadbury's can change their recipe. And I was like, man, this is weirdly flavorous, flavorless. Is this just a whisper thing or is something wrong here? And then Catherine cooked a very nice, uh, a hearty dinner and it tasted of absolutely nothing. And then I was like, is this like cooking or a me me problem? Um, But after a while, I think it was the Rennies. When I had a Rennie, I was like, I know exactly what this is meant to taste like. Um, (laughs) It's really weird losing your sense of taste because you can taste the texture and the heat, just nothing else. So you know that you're eating. It's very, I didn't, I didn't like it at all. And I feel sorry for people long covid who can't taste anything my dad said he can taste everything except since he's had covid like two years ago or whatever um he can't taste swede properly (laughs) that's i could live with that that's Uh, yeah oh and mustard which he really likes um oh no i hate mustard so i have Um, a lot of time for swedes oh i love i love a bit of sweet the norwegians mind no (laughs) (laughs) Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you sighed at your own pun. Oh, uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was quite bad. It was quite bad. Yeah. Well, I don't well, actually much like the vegetable <laughs> the Swede, is, is the true opinion. Mm. That's I like... think there's a lot of like real chances in that genre of vegetable. Like, celeriac, more like a maniac. <laughs> Isn't there a thing called a rutabaga? That's the American word for a normal vegetable, I think. Oh, no, I don't. Carrot. I think it's some sort of joke tuber from the earth. Um, Swede. Is it a Swede? Yeah, it's what they call oh, Swede. cultivated two separate dislikes for the same vegetable. Nice. Well, there you have it. Mind that's you, it's in Branston Pickle, and that's quite nice. Swedes in Branston Pickle? Oh, yes. There's all sorts in there. Oh. <laughs> Wow. So I, I took on a slight overtone of Sir Anthony Hopkins' terrible frights. Yeah, that's like you're about to explain what sin sausage is. It was oh. like you're about to say Branston Pickle has children in it. <laughs> I've got a, I've got a mustard adjacent story. Oh dear, um, okay. It's not a complicated one. Um, I, I, I I'm pretty sure I'm not ma- I'm not mangling this, but my I remember my mum telling us that when she was like a teenager, she uh, dated the heir to Coleman's mustard fortune well uh, yeah so you know i sometimes think what happens if i'd been born an heir to the coleman mustard's fortune that would Obviously, have been a, that isn't how it works that would have been you know, a, a cruel <laughs> irony because you don't like mustard so you oh, would have been I hate like mustard but it, yeah it and i can see a... my father being like oh but you enjoy the mustard money don't you my boy <laughs> uh, exactly, just yeah. you dressed in like an immaculate, bright yellow three-piece suit sitting sadly on a throne like Conan, surrounded by barrels of mustard that you don't <laughs> you'd want be, to enjoy. You'd be like, it would be like a coming-of-age story. Where you'd be like, I don't want to be a mustmonger, Dad. I want to dance! <laughs> the story would be called Cutting the Mustard. Oh, this is all great. This is, this is fantastic. Oh, man. Hollywood producers should listen to this podcast. <laughs> And it is basically that is just like House of the Dragon. That's what that show's like. It's just lots I've of people. I've been watching that. I've been watching that. I've just I've only experienced it through the gifts about incest. So I Oh, they've all got the same names. It's really confusing. Because <laughs> they've all because they're all like riffing and they've got these like strange family names. And half of them have got names the same as characters from Game of Thrones, which makes it also confusing. Every time they talk about Joffrey, you're like, huh? your ears prick up. But um are there yeah. a lot of dragons? Oh, there's loads of dragons. But that's the thing. I don't sometimes... Like, there are legitimately characters where 
they'd been talking about someone who I thought was a human and it turned out it was a dragon. <laughs> oh, are they the sort of dragons that like chat and have beef? And no, they don't. That's the thing. They're just talking about that. Like, cause they've got the same, you know, like the, the family, the dragon family, the Targaryens, they share, you know, they name the dragons sort of after themselves or they're named after dragons. So it's very oh, confusing. So, Oi, Simon, burn those sheep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in that context, I'd probably understand that it was a dragon they were talking about. But... <laughs> Did you but like so... the dragon noise? Yeah, but like the dragons live in like a dank pit, but also some of the characters live in quite dank, you know, areas. So you Is just it like a know. luxury dank pit with like carvings and like, you know, yeah. chandeliers? You'd, I, I too, you'd actually quite like Paddy Constantine's in it and he's like the king. He's like the the... the I can't even tell you what his name is. Viserys, oh, maybe? Yeah, I know that, yeah, King Viserys. I know this because everyone's been saying, oh, we should get an Emmy or whatever. Oh, uh, well, good makeup, because the, the, the show like jumps through time quite a lot, so he's like ageing, and he, he, like in a recent episode, he just looked so awful. I know I said this on Twitter, he looks like an Elden Ring boss. <laughs> he's so gnarled that he's having to wear this like half mask to cover up like a big hole in the side of his face. It's, it's not great. Um, but he's, uh, like, throughout the series, because it covers always this this great period, period of time, he's, like, building a big replica of King's Landing in his bedroom. And it's sort of, it's like one of those model railways that kind of gets a bit out of oh, control. that's great. That's such a great old man hobby. Yeah, but, it, like, in the first episode, he's quite young, and it's just, like, one desk. But by the end of the show, it's like he's turned his whole room into a replica of this city that he will never venture into because he's too old and mad and... It's, I don't know, I thought it had some Nate energy to it. Yeah, I can feel it. I can feel it. Goblin cars. How, how many dragons do they have? Like a, like a. Oh, there's like eight different dragons. That's a lot of dragons for one ecosystem to support, though. Yeah. Well, they, oh, they occasionally, the thing that really threw me is they, uh, they showed a clip of one of them getting a dragon egg. And to get the egg, he went into this dragon den and there was this like big lump of like sort of like matter, organic matter, which he then rooted around in and pulled out the egg. So it's like they lay something which then has an egg within it. Does that reflect any other nature? Yeah. Okay. I, like, I like that I tried to do a segue there and Matthew just barreled through it because he, oh, he had some real important egg business. <laughs> Yeah, but oh, I was going to support what? the segue, but then Matthew started talking about, like... He's like, I have opinions on the <laughs> eggs of dragons in this Sorry, show. Sorry, I'm too, I'm too to poorly end. to recognise you when a segue's happening. Can we can we not just have a big, long chat about different like, egg-containing matrices? <laughs> no, we've okay. got to talk about... That's got Nate files written all over it. Yeah. It does, actually. Yeah, we've all right, the next Nate files will do eggs. God. What have I wrought? <laughs> Eggs. Eggs. No, we've got to do the best eco theme in games, all right? Uh, uh. Right, so this has come about because I've been playing Coral Island this week, which is a new Stardew Valley-like game that is uh, it's set it's set in an island and um, it's got one of the big differences is it has like quite an eco theme in that the island has been uh, the toxic sludged by like an oil drilling company and so one of the little quest things you you have to do sort of like going mining that you can do in, in this as well as in Sergio Valley is clear up the seabed and you go and and like harvest trash and it does it's integrated the eco stuff very cleverly because it has made trash a really useful and important resource that you can use to make other stuff like compost and glass and things. Oh, that sounds quite fun. Are there all sorts of eels in that? There is. I haven't found any eels, but there are lots of different fish and like shrimps and stuff. Oh, can you yeah. have an aquarium? Uh, I have a. I have a tank, not mm. a little a goldfish bowl, but I, you can't really do much with it. I don't think it's decoration. You're mostly growing stuff. I might have a little little tasty look at this. It sounds good. Yeah, it's good. But I I thought it was really clever how it. Because like even if you have no interest in the environment and hate it, you will end up cleaning it up by proxy just because you need to get trash. <laughs> you know? Oh, I don't know. That sounds like a challenge. 
There we go. So, yeah, Matthew, what are your thoughts on the theme this week? I don't like it because I'm, I'm just not very interested in the environment. <laughs> like, I appreciate it in real life and I recycle. I'm not actively trying to harm it. Um, but I can't, I, I, I genuinely struggle to think of like one game with a big environmental theme that I was like super into um, or that spoke to me because of an environmental theme. It's just, a, it just feels a little bit too much like homework or eat your vegetables, you know? Like, I get it. What about, like, Frostpunk or stuff like that? That's surely got a kind of environment. Yeah, but that's more, like, deal with deal with a nightmare that's created. You're not trying to, like, counter it. No, well, it is admittedly that. a little late for that in Frostpunk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, I thought it, this is a good thing as well because it will force us to not say the same games we say every week. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's true. Well, hilariously, yeah, the only things I could think of were the same games. Um, uh, that's <laughs> something that just popped into my head, and uh, I didn't play it, but I did watch Alice play it and talk about it a lot on the video channel back when uh, Alice and the video channel were a thing. Was um, Flotsam? Which, oh yeah, yeah. that's which quite was like fun. A, a city is it? It's like a city builder where you were building everything out of like all the garbage in the ocean, so you'd kind of like collect it together and then build a house out of like yeah that was really those, good um, what are those it's, things that 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 sort of garrot seagulls um the can holders yeah. the can holders yeah <laughs> well yeah it's like kevin costner's Waterworld, the town builder yeah. which oh, by the way slight diversion kevin costner's Waterworld is now a freeware game that you can play really yeah someone made it because they thought the joke was really funny and this is the game thought, from the simpsons yeah so, so listeners i will link to this game but there is a joke in the simpsons where millhouse is playing kevin costner's water world which is like insert 40 quarters and then he like walks forward a step and it's like game over insert 40 quarters but someone has made that into a game and it's not it's not how to explain it you are playing the arcade machine so you move Millhouse's hands around and like click on buttons on on the oh. arcade cabinet. Does it only take a step? A Simpsons game, or is it a whole game? No, no, no. Well, it does the gag at, at first, and then and you have to put in forty quarters to start it and stuff. But then you nice. play a game and like you like get dirt, and then you trade dirt for tomato plant and stuff. Uh. <laughs> I actually quite liked Kevin Costner's Waterworld. Me too. It's a great laugh. Yeah. Me and like it's one other Mad Max, isn't it? Yeah. But like water. The opposite yeah. of Mad Max. The inverse Mad Max. And I remember me and one other kid at school when it came out liked it. His name was Joe, I think. We both liked it and so we did we played Waterworld. And I remember him like acting out the guy being like, It's pure dirt. <laughs> the That's sick. What a good playground game. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, okay, I want to throw in a game that I actually think does great on this. Uh, it's called Among Ripples, Shallow Waters. I wrote a few things about it during my tenure at RPS. Um, it's like a tycoon game about managing ecosystems and repairing them. But they've gone for like the least sexy ecosystems imaginable because it's just like Scandinavian <laughs> ponds. And I am just so all about that because it's got crayfish and eels and a pike and just lots of real low-key freshwater European wildlife. Um, but it's very charming. It's actually like a pretty solid tycoon game. Um, are you God? You are... No, no, you're just like, Alas, with a bucket, I think. Um, right. Trying to just repopulate some some ponds that have just been sort of, you know, fertilised and whatever, down to just sort of puddles of slightly manky water. So you're trying to plant plants in them and get some some animals in there, get a bit of a, a food web going. It's cool, man. It's been it's one of these ones that's been rumbling along in sort of early access for quite a while. It might be out by now. Um, I know the really bare bones version I played a couple of years ago was like pretty sweet for a 
for two or three hours. So I imagine it's it's something pretty good now. I'm going to check it out myself, probably. Mm. I question: What is the sexiest ecosystem? Oh. I'd be like the bloody Velt. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, the charismatic you know? megafauna systems. Yeah, like big big beast zone, Kruger National Park. Um, you know the. I mean, I suppose in the nineties it was the Amazon rainforest. Probably now Southeast Asian rainforest is is is, is cooler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's quite funny actually. What are the sexiest ecosystems? I like <laughs> I, uh, in games. I do like really good icy places. Not specifically snowy places, but like big ice fields. Um, mm. In Red Dead Redemption Two, which I know we always bring up. But when you go up into the mountain and then you go on the big ice, it, it makes that deep cracking sound that ice makes. That kind of, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, it gives you yeah. fine feelings of cosmic insignificance. Yeah, yeah, lovely. I really that that sound that sounds definitely one of the coolest nature sounds. I'm I'm into that. And then there's the You're bit the where ice. Arthur turns to camera and said, "Boy." Sure would be a shame if uh, human <laughs> cause climate change caused these glaciers to melt. Yeah. And then like a coyote comes on and says, Yeah, sure would, boss. <laughs> and there's a deep like dong and the game continues. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I, I love like that, that bit. It's my, I, favorite, it's my favorite bit. Um what similar to Nate's one though, this is it's not out yeah, I don't think it's still just a Steam demo, but it was like one of the most played Steam demos. Uh, not this next fest just gone, but the one before. Except I think there was like possibly some like bot farm playing it for some reason. I don't know, but mm. I did play it as well. Um, and it's called Terra Nil, and it describes itself as kind of an inverse city builder, where you are presented with like a barren wasteland of rock, and your job as the like the re-ecosystemer is to like, first of all, you put down windmills uh, to generate power and then you can hook up to them. You can um, hook up to them. You can put down like water spreader machines that then like cause an area to grow again. And then uh, you can make different types of biomes. So you can have pine forests, flower meadows, um, you might want to deliberately start a fire in a grassland to then make a different type of biome again. Um, it's really interesting. And then, it, yeah, you start getting like birds and you can see like little birds and fish and stuff. It's oh, all. Sorry, what was this called again? Terra Nil. That sounds e- good. Double R A. Sounds more yeah. like Terra Nil, Mankind 5. <laughs> <laughs> I love, like, I actually think. Planetary engineering, or terra- terraforming, or geoengineering, whatever you want to call it, is actually really fertile ground for strategy games. Like the, I thought the, I think it was the second DLC for Surviving Mars, which I think was Green Planet. Uh, the, the, was, yeah, where you you are just like terraforming Mars, right? Yeah, and it's beautiful. Oh, what like a branding nightmare for the Red Planet. I would not like that. Oh yeah. This, <laughs> I spent all this time building up this sort of like identity and then some goon comes along and starts going to work on me. Oh, there'd 100% be like people on Twitter who will like hashtag keep it red. Oh yeah, for sure. I'd be one of them. Wouldn't want Mars to be greened. (laughs) But for real, that's like, um, that that game's partially inspired by um, a series of books by Kim Stanley Robinson about terraforming Mars. And that is... A huge subplot, um, like people who are incredibly angry that it's not being left pristine and like lifeless and red, and they like become like a major terrorist faction, oh, and yeah. are like blowing up space elevators and stuff. It's really good books, actually. I'm going to do that as my recommendation for this week. Spoiler. Ooh. Lovely. But yeah, I think those kind of you know those massive scale, slowly changing a planetary environment is. I think one of the big power fantasies for sort of complicated and slow games people like me, mm. um, you know, and um, Frostpunk yeah, maybe touches on that a little bit. Um, you've got games 
like the old Alpha Centauri, the the weird Civ spinoff that was actually quite good. And yeah, um, I think you know, with geoengineering being talked about as a way to solve anthropogenic climate change, whether or not you believe, you know, that's a, a practically or ideologically decent solution, it is definitely one of the things being talked about. And there's, I think, there's loads of of strategy game potential in that. Mm. I, it's interesting because I, I think there is a, you can see video game themes like coming up and sort of going in cycles and stuff, and I think I mentioned it before. I think there's a big plant theme that's emerging and is is going to crash the next kind of year or so, and I think it's because that everyone's been inside. They spent two years inside and then they stepped outside and were like, my God, it's full of plants. And uh, and then possibly mm. we're like, oh no, this is all going to die. <laughs> so, like like William Shatner going to space and just missing Earth, you know. Um, Bless his heart, yeah. Uh, uh, I, here's a game that I'm interested in playing, but I don't know anything about, but I know that you're a fan, Alice, uh, which has a p- vague plant theme. You mm. think from the title, strange horticulture. Oh yeah, What's... I like how you diverted this to just being about plants, but it it hasn't really got an eco. Oh, yeah. Well, well, I'll allow it because it's a very good game. Yeah. It's, um, what's it, what, what's what's its deal? So it's sort of it's, it, you run a an eldritch plant shop called Strange Horticulture, and there is a larger theme to do with like a a kind of cult and someone accidentally raising a monster and stuff that you stop with plants. Um, but you have, it's, it's, it's a very like, like you never really leave the shop. It, you go on expeditions to um, find more samples of weird plants and stuff, but you never really like, it will just be, it will, it will describe you going there in, in a window in your shop front kind of thing right and you have like a physical you have a map that you have to open and look at and like identify where you want to go and then you have two rows of shelves full that you put your plants on and you have to identify them by looking at the plant and then looking up the uh the characteristics in a big almanac thing you've got that has all plants in you look through and it's like oh this one's got pointy leaves this one smells you know horrible that kind of thing and they all have different effects and then people come to your shop and they are they say like oh i'm not sleeping well and you go ah you need the devil's dandru or whatever and give it (laughs) to them and they go thanks and some people turn up and they're pricks and uh you can decide to give them a horrible plant that will make them sick (laughs) if you want as well (laughs) but it's really good it's very particular and, it, and you can arrange the plants how you like on the shelf, like by colour or alphabetically or, you know, uh, by t- you, can, you know, I'm going to keep all the mushrooms down here and I'm going to keep all the flowering plants up here and stuff. Oh, okay. Is there, yeah. a, is there a singing plant like in Little Shop of Horrors? Uh, I don't think so, no. Oh, that's a, like this... That sounds like that, that would be classic DLC. The Halloween DLC to have. Well, everyone likes to take films from the 80s and then yeah. put them into DLC, you know? Like, like the inexplicable Ghostbusters DLC for uh, Planet Coaster <laughs> that I was enraptured <laughs> by for a little while. <laughs> it's interesting, the, um, the horticulture game. So I don't want to get all like big things this week, but it sounds like that's playing into the whole kind of tech will not save us, like let's embrace witchcraft and astrology yeah. again. Which I, I've I think, got big mixed feelings about. I well, I think you could kind of it it it's got sort of an eco theme in that it's 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 not sort of tech won't save us. It's more just like can, can we not just go back to not destroying you know everything and and kind of you know being in in tune with the the environment and plants and like use using mm. them in in sort of logistic think- ways. I think if that happened, though, like if we return to kind of like a simpler society where we're all just like farming the land and all this kind of jazz, the whole time you'd be thinking about like Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> I think like, the whole uh... problem with that kind of, you know, return to the land thing is the idea that there was some sort of like 
mystical state of equilibrium where all living things got along together, which actually philosophically that's just borrowing from the biblical idea of like, you know, a prelapsarian world without sin. And it gets into the territory where creationists try to prove that T-Rex teeth were adapted for eating melons. <laughs> like, you, you know, I mean, I, I do think, I genuinely do think we would benefit from, you know, a, a much less technological society. But I think we kind of have to understand that doesn't necessarily mean harmony. It just means, like, pretty oh, yeah. much giving up all our advantages in a brutal arms race that has gone on since the beginning of time. And that's Ooh. cool. But, there's, yeah. There's a, but, you know, there's a middle ground between, like, not doing NFTs and crypto you know, or you know, between giving up everything and never having a Rennie again, yeah. and just like not burning an entire country's worth of it's... energy just for a JPEG, you know. Yeah, is that's there... the that's the magic spot, isn't it? I wonder if there is any game or anyone has ever toyed with making such a thing about like a, a kind of reverse civilization, you know, like t- taking the world as it is today and and then trying to like de-escalate things and. And sort of take As, people back to the land, like a D un city, a city unbuilder. There is yeah. one I can think of. There's so in in the overall framing, this is different. But in terms of the mechanics, uh, there was an amazing, I want to say, Civ Five scenario, which is about the fall of the Roman Empire. And you start if you play as the Romans with a massive empire. And usually in Civ games, right, every few turns you get a new technology or a new Civic, which gives you a civilization-wide buff. In this, every few turns, like, you would research a technology that, that would be a level of decline. So it would be like, now all of your bridges are half as functional or whatever. Oh, and wow. so as the game went on, you would be continually... Fo- and you'd have decisions each time. So it'd be like, oh in which of these ways do I want to slightly further cripple the empire? Right. And it's really interesting because it's just, can you survive till this date when you're having to, you're having to make your whole civilization worse every few turns. And I thought it was actually a genius bit of scenario design. Mm. Uh, It would be really interesting to see a whole game on those lines. uh, Yeah. Trying to wind down a rampant civilization. Yeah. Like preparing, your population and different sections of your population for living without certain things and like which things can we do without more you know well, yeah like, like thinking about like entertainment and things to sort of you know okay so like we're binning the internet but you know maybe if we have piss-ups on every street corner that will, yeah. that will you know, square <laughs> off the blunt edges a bit I like do do books have a worse like does making books printing books have a worse impact than creating ebooks you know that kind of thing. it gets into really interesting like game design question though because like there's lots of jokes about like the 4x genre and like how it's hard to remember what the x's stand for but like it's kind of the same problem as we've gotten the real world that there's there aren't very many like celebrated and popular alternatives to perpetual growth as an economic model. Mm. And you would think like quite a good test bed for creating those might actually be in, in games because, you know, no one's actually, you know, having to bin their Netflix or whatever. Yeah. Um, it just well, seems really odd that we're still stuck in the paradigm of like expand, exploit, exterminate. <laughs> uh, it's odd because I love to chill. You do love to chill. So, why doesn't everyone just chill? Just, yeah, <laughs> just everyone chill. There we go. Yeah. We're wrapped up. We've solved all the problems this week, folks. Yeah. We should fly Matthew to the Kremlin. And but just chill. And yeah, in front relax. of the UN. Can you relax? Just chill. <laughs> Have you ever thought about this? Like, Matthew steps up to the mic, and there's like 10 seconds of interrupted silence. And he just goes, chill. And then <laughs> bursts into applause. <laughs> then I sidle in through a side door to where all the beefy generals are, and I'm like, wind your neck in, boys. Here's a Nintendo DS. <laughs> Have a laugh. 
montage of newspaper headlines like world peace matthew waving from the front <laughs> anyway i want everyone to chill apart from everyone involved in the production process behind rio they still <laughs> they still have to work bloody if hard anything, they have to ramp up <laughs> have to unchill yeah, are sort of like you know technologically compromised compromise centric future looks like I do want it to feature an enormous tower like Immortan Joe's in Mad Max, where I get to give a demented speech and then three massive like pipes start gushing Rio onto loads of like post-apocalyptic madmen. Like oh, that's kind of, uh, and I'll be dressed as the Alabaster Titan. You'd be so sticky. Oh, you'd have a huge wasp problem. <laughs> do become addicted to Rio, my friends. It's f- delicious. Uh, I was going to mention so there's a a game I think in different ways maybe has some Nate energy and some uh, Matthew energy because it's called Lumino City which uh, for the first time as I say I realise it's a pun and it's a point and click kind of puzzle game but it is entirely the the world that you're in is entirely physical it's a physical model that is made of like wood it's a little miniature basically and the camera moves around it your character is animated but she's moving around a physical world and that and it when it moves and stuff happens in it it's it's the model moving and it's really really lovely um and it's everything in it is sort of used as like renewable energy kind of like every time you make something happen it's like you know a water powered thing or you know um because you have to basically like your granddad used to be the handyman of the the city and he sort of gone missing so you have to travel through it and you go past all this stuff you know it's like a, a someone's washing line is broken down all this kind of stuff and you have to fix everything and and it's great and it's really really lovely Hmm. Um, and and it's on I, iOS and Android and stuff now as well. I think you should have a look. That sounds charmerinos. It's well charms, yeah. Very really good. Nice. Quite a different miniature energy to your kind of orc beasts and their barbecue. But um, I'm making a library for them at the moment. What's going to be in it? They're basically like trying to tattoo philosophy on the side of a load of angry beasts. Which are then in pens. So if they want to read the books, they got to wrestle the beasts. Just seemed oh, a no. very awkward way of dealing with philosophy. Yeah, I like that. Terrifying. Um, any more for any more? Because if not, we should probably head down into the cavern. Uh, I don't know. To get subterranean. Yeah, I had a vague, a vague thing of. I remember watching Catherine playing this game where she was planting seeds for like these weird monsters in like this garden she was talking to these people that could be anything Matthew. is that that, that mutazoni like or mutazoni oh, yeah that's cool you make that's... a little garden and the plants make different noises yeah um, so you turn that you turn up on an island that your granddad lived on and it is full of mutants basically and your granddad was the gardener and you have to remake the gardens at the same time as finding out about the lives of the Mm. And it's a very balanced kind of, you know, e- ecology game, but it's very, very relaxing and nice. Basically, in our house, Catherine plays all the games about helping the environment, and I play all the games about kicking Japanese hoodlums in the balls. <laughs> <laughs> That's for pretty much the division in our house. <laughs> I'm just impressed that you managed to get Mutazione from that, because to me it just sounded like Matthew had been like in a deep COVID fever and had accidentally <laughs> overheard Catherine's agreement to start an industrial weed farm in a warehouse. <laughs> and is now trying to cover it up as half remembering a video game. <laughs> She's just planting seeds for these monsters. Oh, I tell you what, I, I did play some, I was playing some Bayonetta, uh, the platinum action game, while I had COVID. And that game is so fast and mad and you're fighting these like screaming sort of porcelain angels and it, oh, put, it put me in a really bad bad place like i <laughs> i had some terrible nightmares i don't think that you bit. helped yourself out at all there buddy that is... no. <laughs> I feel it's, like, you, son. it's one it is 
the worst game to play when you have COVID. <laughs> right. Do you know yeah. what? That's actually possibly a good episode of this podcast. <laughs> worst games to play when you have COVID. Oh, yeah, okay, I'll write that down. <laughs> but now let us head down into the cooling and serene cavern of lies. Let's do it. The cavern of lies. Hello. Welcome Hello. to the cavern. It's been a while since we three have been down here. Yes. Well, I've got a question for you. Uh, do you remember that uh, evil army from James Cameron's Avatar? Oh, no. yeah, there's naughty soldiers. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, you're in that army now. Um, and you're in that army now. Your, our job, your job, our job as this army is we go around worlds uh, destroying creepy plant creatures. They get in the way of get in the way of profit from oil or precious metals. Uh, so we're all kitted up. We're all kitted up in those in the mech suits from Avatar, um, ready to trounce some freaky plant people. Uh, but the problem is, there's there's lots of uh, plant people for us to deal with, and we don't want to waste time using our mech pincers on fake plant people. So we've got to try and work out which of these are really plant plant people. I'm going to just keep saying plant okay, people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, which are, I don't want to fake. Don't want the echoer of any counterfeit groups gumming yeah. up yeah. climax. <laughs> yeah, basically that's it. I want you to, I want you to work out the Groot from the Troot. <laughs> um, <laughs> Groot or the Troot? It sounds like an amazing <laughs> Austrian game show. <laughs> uh so let's uh let's meet some of our let's meet some plant people uh first up is Stephen the perturbed bush from fable 3 dlc traitor's oh, keep god okay uh outside of traitor's keep there is a garden of uh, you know those shaped bushes what are they called when you trim a bush topiary. Topiary. um apart from one overgrown bush uh, and the reason that bush hasn't been trimmed is because it's alive and it talks and it seems highly anxious about being trimmed. Uh, there's not, not a lot to it. It's just a little comedy but bit, like a bush you can talk to. And it says, Stephen, the perturbed bush, you know, when you target it. Um, you can give it gifts because it's technically like registered as a human, but you can't marry or romance it because obviously you can't lead it back to your house because it's stuck Alex. in place. Yeah. <laughs> right, Alice, le- leave this one to me. I got taught the uh, the way to deal with these situations at Space Army School. Right. Okay. Right, planty. I'm going to kick it in the leaves. No. So what, what could you offer the protagonist of Fable 3, huh? I'll stamp on a root. No, just lols. He's just there for lols. Just lols, is it? Stephen? Yeah, that's Seems right. Really weak part of the DLC. What was the rest of the DLC? Uh, the tower. Uh, I didn't actually play it, so you go into Traitor's Keep <laughs> and some adventure happens in there. This is just like colour around Traitor's Keep. Okay. All right. Uh, seems next? like a nobody to me. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's 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 find out some of the others. Uh, next up, we have uh, from the the Morrowind expansion, Blood Moon. They have mm. the enemies, the Spriggans, uh, which are, they look like kind of green ladies with like, imagine like they're, they're, they're naked apart from like a bark swimsuit. Uh, and they've also got like bark on their feet. So they've kind of got bark covering up, you know, any rude bits. Not that I, I don't consider the feet to be rude bits, but. Um, Some people would. Yeah. If, you know, that's up to you. That's fine. Um I'm sure I've battered some of them. I was going to say, I think they've turned up in other stuff. Well, let me t- I can tell you a bit more about how they behave in Morrow and Blood Moon, if that would help. Yeah, go on. Yeah. Uh, they summon bears to assist in combat. Friend to the plants, the bear. <laughs> uh, classic group move. Yeah. They use plant magics to heal themselves. They can actually revive themselves twice once they've died. And they, say, they come back a little bit stronger every time. Um, they've got very shrill laughter, this I can tell you. And uh, when you kill them, they drop something called a heartwood, 
which is just looks like a human heart made out of wood, which I think is a little bit phoned in asset wise. But um, yeah, that's a spriggan. All right, All right yeah. So Maybe Stephen or Spriggan so far. Uh, next up, we have a character who's just called Robin in Divinity Original Sin 1. Uh, Robin is a dryad posing as a human in a tavern in Sicile City. Uh, Wait, hang on. He has bark for skin, uh, and he's, his text is full of, like, naff vegetation puns that are kind of like Freudian slips that he's giving away that he's a plant so like so does the bark skin not give it away somewhat well there's that too like he's all kind of um covered up in like a cloak he's kind of keeping himself to himself but he says like leave me alone and he's putting down roots and all that kind of stuff it's a bit of is is he a quest giver no he's just there for color okay it's a bit of the beckford about this guy if you ask me what yeah, there is a Beckfordian energy. There isn't. There is not. You there cannot do not. anything for this man. He's just there to talk to. Like Divinity's full of like fun characters for you to chat to, and it's just extra color. I don't know. Okay. Maybe you can kill. Maybe you can kill him, and he's got a quest item. I don't know. Like everything in Divinity, it's all part of like a big reactive ecosystem, isn't it? Matthew likes Divinity. I, I haven't played much original Sin One. Hmm. But this uh, is yeah. this is a this is like early on. This is the first area in the game. So I'm going to put the frighteners on this guy with a pair of secateurs. See if he crumbles. Mm, okay. Are you get, wait. Are you you're not picking him already? Are you? No, no. I'm just sort of like. Oh, you're just, just torturing him. <laughs> yeah, I'm like gesturing at my eyes and then at his and then snapping the secateurs. You know, okay. just. just Roughing Poor him Robin. up a little bit psychologically. I can't believe you, can't believe you would liken him to Master no, of Lies to Pius Beckford. I'm an evil megamarine. You know? Oh, yeah. Well, that's good. part of the job. Okay. okay. Uh, number four is Harold in Fallout 3. There is a tree that has absorbed a man called Harold. Uh, he, I think he was actually a ghoul who stopped to rest in the, the wastelands and was absorbed into the tree. He's actually part of a quest where a cult is built up around this tree with a face. And like some people in the cult want you to help the tree. Some people want you to hurt the tree. The tree itself is like, kill me, put me out of my misery. I hate being a living tree. Um, so, you know, it's one of those classic fallout moral quandaries. Do you what like- do they fertilize the tree with? Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> No, this is real. It's like some. It's like it's some kind of magic sap. Okay, Harold. All got very nondescript names: Harold, Robin, Steve. Okay. Yeah. You know, I think people when they're trying to write a comedy, a uh, half man, half tree creature, maybe like an easy thing is to give it just a funny, un, you know, unimpressive name. Yeah. Is that what you do when you're writing one as well? Oh well, I <laughs> I, I haven't written any of these, so yeah, yeah, okay. They're all real. Uh, finally, we have Victoria from Thief One, uh, who is a woman who you work with in the game, but she turns out to be an evil wood nymph who's allied with uh, this sort of uh, chaotic nature god who's like the big villain of Thief. And um, so you're kind of at odds with her. Um, but when you kill the, the nature god at the end of Thief, uh, it ushers in the industrial age, the metal age, which is Thief 2. And so in the second game, you find yourself working with this wood nymph because now you're both anti-industry. Okay. I mean, that's quite a cool... That checks out. That's good. What's she like? Why do, why do you always think, like, I can only come up with shit stories and not good stories? <laughs> like, I, I, can, I can imagine a good narrative. Okay. <laughs> you're like, oh, that's too good for him to have come up with. Like that's not fair. This is all just the cavern light mind games, baby. Like all right. we're all in locked so, in the deep you know, get, get your mech on. Two of these, two of these leafy two. freaks are not real, but can you identify them? Okay. Well, I'm, I'm the Spriggan are real. I remember the Spriggan. Yeah, they're real. Uh, what do you reckon, Nate? I think. Steve and the perturbed bush does actually sound kind of real. I think Matthew's very capable at spoofing 
like dilemmas in games, and I think the tree heralds the tortured bullshit tree has got the ring of that about it. And then uh, the the previous one, which was um, the dryad in the bar, I felt, you know, also had that mahogany sheen of bull to it. Um, I don't know. What's what's your instincts? Well, the thing is, the, the issue that Matthew's having with me this time is that I remember all of the the ones that are real. Oh, well, and therefore that's, I... uh, well, that's not that. I don't see how that can be true. <laughs> it's got you there. <laughs> <laughs> and so I don't know whether I should say, like, Okay, no, what this is, Alice, you are actually... Look, look, it's called... It's it's not called Friendship Cavern, you know, so I don't know if maybe I should... You know, I'm playing a game here, Nate, and I don't know if I should just let you die. Uh... What what if you're, like, a double agent for the tree people and, you know... You're so cocky, Alice, you might get it wrong. I won't. I, I, (laughs) I think by the rules of the game... I should attack the two that I feel are untrustworthy, and if I die in the process, Alice then has a chance to uh, okay. seize victory as a double agent. Does that sound cool? Okay. Go for it. Right, so I'm, I'm going to bend that f-ing tree. From Fallout. That's my chainsaw. Okay. <laughs> are you going to kill the other one as well? I'm going to do Harold first. Harold first? Yeah. You lose. Harold is real. Oh, you, Harold. Yeah. Oh. Well, as I sink into the mulch around his roots, I'm going to fire an incendiary rocket at the dryad, Robin. Oh yeah, that's a that's a smart move, Robin. Robin was that's, made up. Robin was well backfed. Nobody puts on a jacket into a into a, <laughs> just a character you can talk to. Oh, I've got COVID. I went total. I went total backfed. <laughs> All right then, Alice. Well, at least at least this time you were like, oh, he doesn't have any quests, rather than being like, oh no, it's a brilliant quest on the best. <laughs> I'm not making that mistake twice. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, similarly, I believe Steve in the bush, who also doesn't do anything. It's, also it's a classic fable gag. Is it? Yeah, everyone loves <laughs> that guy. So many people. You've you must have seen this guy as like a, a Twitter avatar. Oh yeah, I've seen all the gifts of Steve in the bush. Yeah, it's fun. It's like the best joke in the thing. After like J- John Cleese as the butler. Oh, see, now I'm seeing Matthew do, like, the equivalent of when those tiny frogs like arch their backs to try and look massive, and you think, <laughs> that is, like, the most hopeless defensive <laughs> adaptation you could possibly have. That's real last-ditch stuff. And, Absolutely yeah, classic. Everyone loves Stephen the Bush's. <laughs> what are some of Stephen the Bush's classic lines, Matthew? Ah... <laughs> says stuff like that. It's just ang- it's just, it's more like anxiety noises. Like, oh, uh, I hope I don't get chopped. Things like that. I can't believe we've hit Beckford too, and I missed it. Oh, we've got two Beckfords in 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 a row in one cavern. Double Beckford, yeah, Double right. Beckford. It's Stephen. The perturbed bush isn't real. Shock horror. <laughs> Do you know what? I, and I will give you your flowers for this, Matthew, as well. Another clue is that Stephen, the perturbed bush, is a funnier name than would have actually appeared in the Fable game. Oh, that's not very. Enough. Fables, Fables, hilarious. Fable is very funny. I'm just saying, perturbed is is too mm. too my kind of funny. Oh, I overrated it. Kind of I always overrated. Let it never be said that you're not arguably, from a subjective point of view, funnier than Fable. Well, that's very <laughs> kind. All right, let's uh, get out of here. Yeah, let's get out in your mech suits. Off you go. Well, I'm dead. I'm just going to rot. Oh, yeah. See you, losers. Bye. Thank you for... What an adventure. Yeah, a wonderful game. Arguably un- unkind of me to ask you to... Do a cabin of lies your first week back while you're still. Oh, that's fine. Riddled. I should have gone with the Captain Planet one. God damn it. Hey, I died. 
Yeah. Oh, well, that's fair enough. Yeah. I'm that's true. Now. I've got a lot to deal with. That is the end of our podcast this week. And all that remains is for us to do some recommendations because every week we recommend something that is not a video game. Matthew, it's been a while. What are you yeah. recommending this week? Oh, we've been watching loads of TV and we've just finished series two of Industry, which is a BBC HBO co-production about a load of horrible young people who enter the finance industry at like an investment bank and are like screwing over each other. It's a show where I only understand half of every episode because I don't know what any of the financial terms are. It's written by two like ex-traders, but it feels very authentic and just like the high stakes sort of totally immoral lives some of these people are living but if you like people in very shiny buildings kind of each other over it's like it's like business game of thrones which i like a game business game of business yeah a game of business it's also like surprisingly raunchy by modern standards like the cast all seem like well up for really sort of sort of going out there and and doing lots of naughty naughty stuff which i you know and they're all siblings, making exactly the game Yes, which is, yeah, that's where it gets a bit awkward. Um, yeah, it's just, I don't know, it's just a really full-on show, but I quite like it. Mm-hmm. Um, I am going to recommend, it's also a TV show, uh, it's on Netflix, it's called The Mole. Uh, it is a reboot, I guess, a new series of a reality TV show from the early 2000s, where it's a, it's a team of people, and they're trying to like basically win as much money by doing different sort of escape room kind of challenges um each week and then at the end anyone who's left gets the money kind of thing but they also have to try and find out who the mole is because one of the team is playing against them and is trying to lose the money and trying to kind of stop them and nobody knows who it is the view you the viewer don't don't know who it is uh, the other players don't know who it is, but it's a uh, fantastic show because it is like a dozen Americans of varying uh, objectionable quality, um, all kind of doing these tasks in Australia, and it's incredible. Some of them, like like some of them, you can't tell. Like, well, they could be the mole, or they could just be a sociopath. You know, like. Some of them are just awful people. And there's one guy on there who his whole thing is like, oh, you know, I'm just a nice country boy fireman. I've never even been outside the United States before. And but he's then you either... notice he's got massive claws and no eyes and a wiggly <laughs> nose that he uses to search for earthworms. That's going well, to be a f- like, like, he's either an incredible actor or he is... Coming, he has come to the understanding for the first time in his life that some people are awful, oh. <laughs> and, and you see him get sort of sadder as the show goes on. Um, so yeah, I'm recommending The Mole. There are quite a few episodes on Netflix already. Nate, what are you recommending? So as uh, as teased earlier, I'm going to recommend the trilogy of uh, Mars books by Kim Stanley Robinson. They are Red Mars, Green Mars, and Blue Mars. Um, extraordinarily long read. They're all door stoppers. Um, but if you have even a passing interest in like terraforming Mars and like sci-fi, like evolution of human society stuff, really full on. They're really, really thought out. The science is a couple of decades old, but like still actually holds up pretty well and uh yeah they're real interesting stuff a lot of food for thoughts good stuff thank you very much lads and thank you listener for joining us for episode 204 of the electronic wireless show podcast the best eco theme games uh this is rock paper shotguns pc gaming podcast the only podcast you need in my opinion and you can find rock paper shotgun on facebook twitter youtube and now tiktok where uh, the views are already higher than the videos on the YouTube channel. 
Uh, but you should check out the YouTube channel even more because we're on uh, TikTok. Liam... Yeah, What's on there's... TikTok. Is it like little clips of us being a laugh? No, the the website is the video. It's clips of the videos. No, no one. Get, the podcast isn't on TikTok. Rock paper shotguns on TikTok. Oh right, yeah, you really bothered me there. I was like, what? How are we? No. TikTok? You know, the website is more than this podcast. <laughs> no, oh no, I've forgotten no. all about that. Watch <laughs> <laughs> the watch the YouTube videos because uh, Liam genuinely does some fantastic stuff. Uh, you can also. Email us at the podcast at podcast at rockpapershotgun.com. Mm. You can join the Discord to chat about uh, all sorts of game things as well as the podcast. And you can buy merch, the links for both of which are in the show notes. And uh, do, for all your PC gaming needs, go to www.rockpapershotgun.com. And for now, it's goodbye for me. It's goodbye from Lieutenant Planet. <laughs> And it's goodbye from Wolf Carlton the second. Goodbye.